Today's episode is part two of a series, Black Wall Street Generation of Wealth, where we dig into the idiosyncrasies of black wealth and asset accumulation. Hello, and thank you for tuning into another episode of Woke. I'm Gil Singletary, a host, and today with me in the studio is none other than Mr. Darren Brown himself. Darren is a marketing and branding guru, and he's been featured on CNBC, radio, TV, and many other social media and print outlets. Darren is the CEO of Advantage Business Consulting and the host of the podcast, Uncooked with Darren Brown. Darren, welcome to the show, my brother. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. That was, that was a great intro, man. <laughs> hope I can live up to all that. It sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> man, Darren, I've been following you for a while. I'm a huge fan of you and the work that you do, your hustle, your grit. Uh, just your perseverance, man. I, I love it. So I, I got to ask you this first before we get into it. What motivates you in terms of your drive before we get into any of this other stuff? You know, I just, um, I, I feel like I'm, a, I'm my own biggest competition. You know, I never look at who does the same thing I do or who does, does something similar. You know, what, what bugs me is to know that I was, you know, at the bar, or at the club, or I wasn't handling my business and I'm not where I want to be because I wasn't focused. So what drives me is that I want to go to bed each night knowing that, you know, I might be tired, hungry, beat up, whatever, but I gave it 110%. That's what, that's my drive. Wow. Wow. That, I, I like that because you're, you're sort of juxtaposing the life that many young minority professionals live in terms of thinking about maybe buying that new car, uh, spending, you know, two, three thousand, two, three stacks to live in this nice place but not thinking about sort of that generational wealth that we're talking about or thinking about what's next. It sounds like that's what you're saying. Exactly, exactly. Nice. Well, brother, I invited you on the show for multiple reasons. One, because you are a thought leader and I value your knowledge and expertise. And secondly, because many members of, the, of my audience are small business owners and are business leaders who could use some straightforward advice about how to best build a brand, how to use that brand to create a dominant presence in social media. You know, so we were saying before we sort of got started, that as it relates to COVID, uh, COVID has made it abundantly clear that there are two Americas in this business world, right? Those that are thriving during COVID and those that are sinking. And unfortunately, many Black businesses are among the majority of businesses that are sinking during the era of COVID. Recently, I was reading the megaphone of Main Street, the impact of COVID-19, this, this new report that came out. And I was shocked by the disparities among Black and white businesses and how they performed during the era of COVID. Uh, I wanna read to you just a few um, statistics from this and, and just hear what you think about this. So when asked the question, how much impact the following changes have had on your business since March 15, 2020, Black-owned businesses, businesses operations were more significantly disrupted by COVID-19 than white-owned businesses. When asked if they needed to work remotely, is, if working remotely is negatively impacting their business, 45% of black owned businesses said yes. Wow. Now, wow. that's compared to 25% of white owned businesses. Just what, wow. just what are your general thoughts just hearing those statistics? I think that um, COVID-19 really separate the, the men from the boys and the women from the girls. And if you were not taking your business serious or your business was something that was a hobby, and not, again, not saying that everybody that was impacted wasn't taking their business serious. However, those that weren't taking their business as serious, uh, COVID was the great e equalizer. And it, it really put a lot of strain uh, on your business and testing your brand, testing your market, marketing, uh -huh. it tested everything um, because the, everything shifted so fast. Um, if, you weren't, um, if you weren't, hadn't built up, you know, a nice clientele with you know, a great brand, uh, people weren't gonna stay with you because when money starts getting short, all these people laid off, they're going to start thinking, who, who am I going to pay first? Who am I going to pay last? And if you don't have a strong brand, your, your, whatever you're, you're charging is going to be toward the end of the priority list for, for getting paid. You make a great point, uh, Darren. And as, as we all know, small businesses are mm -hmm. the heartbeat of America. They are the ones that, su that sustain America uh, ec economy and commerce. And within that subgroup are African-Americans small business. And we are a large part of that. And unfortunately, as I read earlier, we are that particular segment is a segment that's getting hit the most. One of the, so I've been thinking about this for a while, and I think this is where you can really help me help me with this is a lot of black businesses. We rely on that 
that um, B to C type of uh, exchange, that business to consumer, where I think a lot of uh, more white businesses are B to B. And I think as a result of that, B to C requires relationships. Well, COVID says, hey, we can't, there, I can't invite you out to dinner, a breakfast, a lunch to build those relationships, man. So I think that's why we're hurting because our businesses are so based upon B to C, straight to the consumer, based upon my reputation, you know, that I've established with you, where a brand is totally different, right? Like you're not invested in me per se, you invested in the brand. And I think that's where you and what you do is so important. Yeah, I can I can definitely agree with that. I think that's right on the money. Um, I also think that uh, the the ability to really and I, you know we've been everybody's been saying pivot, oh pivot, pivot, pivot. I probably heard pivot a million times. I'm, I'm pivoted out, <laughs> right? But I'm gonna say it again. So, but I'll, I'll say maneuver at least. I try to change okay. up a little bit, but okay. I think that the ability, especially for black business owners, and I've consulted with. I mean, I had the month of July, I, I consulted with, I think like 890 people in one wow. month. It was insane. Um, but is, that fear? I bet you a lot of fear was driving that. And so like they woke up one day and like the world was upside down. It's like, who do I call? And right. who better not to call than you, right? Well, yeah, well, yeah, that's literally what happened. And uh, I just feel that the uh, so kind of with, with our people's businesses to some degree, and I, I don't want to say for everybody, but it was not having that ability to really switch gears on the online side. And that's pretty much what happened. Everything just went, you know, anything in person, in store, whatever, you can almost forget about it. Um, and then there's still a lot of people that are not going out. So you have to have your online presence needs to be as strong or stronger, not, you know, 90% in person, 10% online, or just online for running some ads. It should be my online sales, my, you know, in-person sales. And then when the in-person sales falls off, you still should have some strong uh, online online presence. So but it sounds like what you're, you're saying in terms of the keys to success, uh, Darren, is that there, there's this brand, there's, there's a model, there's a process where the business is, is sustaining itself without the owner. And I think for so much of minority businesses, the business itself is based so much on the owner. So what you're saying is like, there needs to be a shift again to the, to a brand so i got three questions to ask you right. what is a what is a brand and how do you build a brand and and this is why you know as a business owner and i and mm -hmm. this is where i even struggled at times how do you separate the brand from the person so I'm the, the first question is just what is a brand because most people right. don't even understand that part yeah well so i like to think of a brand as the personality of your business you know uh there are a lot of people that there are a lot of different cars out there, right? But if you think about, you know, they have four four wheels, you know, the engine. But if you think about the personality and what the thoughts that come to mind when I say Lamborghini versus when I say Toyota, it, they, they're both cars, but you have to think of the brand. The brands are so different. Lambo, Lamborghini, you think, you know, super, super car, expensive, you know, high end. You know, in Toyota, you might think some more for affordable family safe type car. Mm -hmm. So your brand is just the personality of your business. So how how does one build that brand and, and and this is your this is like sits in your how does one build that brand though well you know it's funny because there are so many people that charge a lot of money to uh tell you how to build a brand you got sure. people that tell you how to 10x and yell and scream and get passionate and <laughs> at the end of the day for and it's just from going to business school and in my experience consulting with hundreds of, of small business owners uh, you, you got to be a good person you know, you have to make people feel like you care about them. You have to deliver a solid product. You can't rip people off. It's it's really no super complicated business algorithm. It goes back to the basics and being consistent. I care about people. You say you're going to do something, do it. If you mess up, you got to eat the cost sometimes. Uh, that goes a long way with people. And and also outside of just being uh, 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 delivering that value, you have to get that your your clients to type and put that down somewhere. They need to be on a Google review or Facebook review. You know, you could be the greatest person in the world, but if you don't have anything that any of these people vouching for you, then it's still going to kind of not going to do you as much justice as well. Wow. You, you mentioned something I think that's very important that you, know, you mentioned in July, you had over 800 inquiries, you had 800 consultations. It's interesting because again, I think that's when the reality sunk in that we're going to be here for a while, right? It's like, take your shoes off. Like we're going to, this is going to yeah. be the new normal for a while. Right. How, again, how does that small business transition? Because they're so used to 
um, people walking through the door. They're so used to, you know, those, how do you transition your brand from being that, you know, walking through the door with customers to online? And, to, and I think there's a sense of trust. It's almost like, mm -hmm. do I even trust that unlock that, that space? And I think that creates this apprehension. How do you do that? Well, I think it's a it's a different world from from what I've seen. The clients I have that have been a bit older, that uh, are a little less experienced with Facebook and TikTok and Snapchat and all, uh, it, the, the transition is is, is a little bit um, it's a little bit more outside of their comfort zone for some that are a little bit older. Um, but in general, as a business owner, I think that uh, you have to learn the business of social media. If you've been on social media and you are an Instagram model or whatever, if you're not making any money from social media or online, anything online, you have to talk to somebody that knows what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. You're not Facebook, unfortunately, puts especially our people in a position to spend thousands of dollars on Facebook ads. But I don't have to know anything about branding, nothing about marketing. I'm just putting together an ad that I think looks good and I can spend 400 bucks on it. And Facebook's going to say, OK, and. It goes out there, does nothing, and then you try it again. You try it again. I feel like small business owners are being exploited by the, and hope they don't, you know, they don't come kill me for saying this. <laughs> but I think small business owners are being exploited by the social media platforms because they're allowing these small business owners to make all these ads, and the the analytics on the ads that you put out there are very minimal, and it's it's nothing that really teaches you how to market online. It's not the same. It's the, a lot of these major corporations, they have marketing and branding departments with tons of people. So you as a small business owner, you're not just gonna come up off the dome and right. put together a, right. a advertisement that's gonna generate $10,000 for you and you know a 40% click-through rate. You gotta talk to somebody that knows the business side of, of online sales. And what you're saying is the investment and in, let's say and seeking someone with your level of expertise, the ROI will be worth it will be worth it because in many cases they're dumping that into, like you said, Facebook and all these other places. You know, you know what the funny thing is? I have had clients that told me they're spending four hundred, five hundred dollars a month on Facebook ads and they're seeing nothing in return. Wow. And I, I say, listen, I got a, a mastermind group. It's 25 bucks a month. Watch it come for one or two months. <laughs> Soak up as much as you can. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's you're losing hundreds a month versus like, it's, I got a class here for 25 bucks. That's it. You know, wow. um, but you would be surprised the uh, some of the reactions that, you know, you get. So, so I got to ask you this there. What's the apprehension? Because you're right. I know lots of business owners as well who are sinking lots of money in the Facebook and all of these, these fancy campaigns, and they're, they're saying to me as well that they're not getting the ROI. What do you think is the apprehension, particularly for small businesses, why they will not come out and consult with someone like you and your expertise? Um, I think that at the end of the day, it's, it's foreign. You know, it's, uh, it's a really big world between social media for entertainment and social media for business. Ah, and it's, it's two different worlds. You have to understand it's two different worlds. The algorithms read your, the text different. They crawl your posts different. Hmm. It scores differently. It's shown to a different percentage of people. It's two different worlds. And some people feel that they've been successful uh, on social media from the entertainment side. You know, you take a picture like yourself. I saw the picture of you and your family, beautiful picture, tons of shares, tons of likes. But a lot of people aren't able to do that same thing with something related to their business and then convert that to sales. And I just think some of it is just some people just got to put their pride aside and just say, hey, look, I need help with this. You know? Wow. You, you know, you, you you mentioned something that was really interesting. And I never I've never thought about it like this, the social media side. And so to your point where the social media companies are and I don't want to I dare to say, well, no, exploiting, exploiting lots of small businesses. Because I think they're conflating this, the social part with the business part. And just because you can upload something doesn't mean that you understand, like, as you said, the intricacies of the, of the algorithms and, and how that's going to be you know, displayed and how, who gonna, who's going who's gonna to even see it. If the appropriate audience that needs to see it is going to even see it. It's a, it's a carnival game. It's like a carnival game. You know, you go to a carnival, you know, shoot the basketball, but, you know, the basket is, you know, tilted forward or it's a, it's a weird shape. You know, it's a carnival game. That's, that's what I think social media, that's what I think they're doing. So in other words, Darren, so you're like the guy who spoils the, spoils the joke. <laughs> before oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they're going to come after me and shut me down and come, you know, kill me or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So as I've mentioned, man, I, I, you know, our backdrop is, is Black Wall Street. And the reason why I, we're having this series and these series of episodes of Black Wall Street is because there's a lot of parallels between, you know, our, our current times mm-hmm. and the times of Black Wall Street. As I mentioned in our first episode, unfortunately, when most people talk about Black Wall Street, they talk about the massacre, which the massacre was, was horrible. It was, it was right. horrific. Right. However, the, the ingenuity of Black Wall Street, in my opinion, gets lost in the massacre. Mm-hmm. And so I like to think about the, the ingenuity of those, those Black intellectuals and th- those Black entrepreneurs who were able to survive during times of segregation, the, the height of segregation. Yep. And, and so for me, bro, it's, it's, it's if, they could, if they could do it then in, time, in the height of segregation, and someone said to me recently, they said, well, Gil, you know, there wasn't a pandemic. And I thought, well, what about the 1918 pandemic? Like, remember that went from 1918 to 1920, the Spanish flu. So it was actually parallel to what we have now. And Black Wall Street thrived during that period, right? And so I'm like, how, how it was, I mean, as I said in episode one, it was like, it was like Silicon Valley for technology, but this was Silicon Valley for black people in terms of, you know, uh, revenue and ingenuity. You know, they had um, movie theaters, they had their own newspapers, they had their own banks, they had their own grocery stores, and they were doing well. And so, mm-hmm. again, I say, how, what, what happened? Can we, can we emulate some of those times? Of course, times have, have changed, but we've done this before. And so with that, I got some more questions for you. <laughs> okay. There. First question is this, should or how might a business adjust their core competencies to survive during this pandemic? We've done it before. We've done it in 1918. So should first, should someone change their brand, their competencies, you know, during this pandemic or, you know, should they stay the course? What what are your general thoughts on that? I think that uh, getting serious about online sales is number one. Uh, you need to be in a position, I don't care what you do, I don't care if you sell oxtails, if you sell t-shirts, <laughs> you know, you need to be in a position to right. be able to get my money in South Florida, to get, you know, uh, Bob's money in California, to mm-hmm. get Dan's money in Chicago. You need to be in a position to get all the money you can. And if you have limited yourself to just getting the money from the people that w- within the 10 or 15 minute, maybe 30 minute driving distance from you, it's going to be very difficult for you even more so now. Wow. So again, going back to your point, online sales. And so what, but, but, and and that's why I asked about the core competency. Do you sacrifice what your original blueprint? And I think this is what I've heard from business owners. Mm -hmm. My business plan says this, my business plan says this, I've identified my market. We're segment, we're using a segment marketing strategy, Gil. So this is, do they deviate from the, and I think I'm asking you, do they deviate from the business plan? Yes. Yes. Give it up. Give it up. Give it up. Give it up. It's desperate times calls for desperate measures. You got to be able to stand in your truth and have a slice of humble pie to say either I'm making money or I'm not. It's COVID. It's a pandemic. The game has changed. You're not a quitter. You're not a loser. You can rebrand yourself and say, hey, you know what? I did what I had to do to keep up with the times. That is the smart business thing to do. Any entrepreneur that sees you make that move and again with the word pivot, but pivot and keep and stay in the course. You're the winner. You're the real MVP. Versus I've seen other clients that say, you know what? Well, no, this is my business and I'm not changing my business. I'm going to just stay here and wait and wait and have other clients that have changed the game and have changed. And, and again, not saying give up, rebrand, put a, put something online, you know, on a sale you can make online. And I've seen other clients do that and make tens of thousands of dollars, more money they've ever made, ever, ever. Mm. Um, so you can't be stubborn and arrogant as a business owner. You have to be able to say, listen. I'm not a failure. However, this is a, a, a once in a lifetime type pandemic. It would be foolish of me to ignore the pandemic when the United States government themselves have said, this is so bad, we're going to give everybody money and we're going to put all these different things in place. Um, the government, the world is, is, is changed. So you can't just sit there with your arms crossed and folded and be stuck in your way. No, that's not business. That's not a smart business move. Wow. So... Second question. I, I think that I think you say a lot in terms of ride the pandemic out, and then you can always go back. If and, and I think what you're also saying is maybe what your original purpose may not even be there after the pandemic when it's over. Got to pivot. I've talked to um, I've talked to to I've had some clients that are do um, travel agents. 
for travel agents or some clients that throw uh, private events. Okay, you throw private events. Now, in Miami, it's a midnight curfew. You have social distancing. It's very difficult to do big events in person. You know what you have to do? You need to figure out how to do some kind of Zoom event. You need to know how to do a networking event over Zoom or have some other way online to do it. Every It's going to be online because the person to person is just, depending on where you live, Florida is very, very lenient. I mean, very, very lenient. But depending on where you live, you know, everybody's not comfortable with that. So even if even when all this is over, there's still going to be people that are not comfortable being face to face because you don't know the medical history, if they're more at risk or whatever. Um, so you have to be able to tap into that online side of business. There, I'm just going to be upfront with you. I can hear some of some of my members of the audience now saying, Gil, Darren is a, again, as you said earlier, he's a guru. So it's easy for him to say, oh, do this. Gil, it's hard for us mom and pop shops to do this. So my question to you, uh, Darren, how does a business transition from on ground to online? I mean, how do you make that? It seems like there's a psychological transition and there's this, like, how do you do that? That physical and psychological transition? Well, you know, you gotta, first of all, you gotta roll up your sleeves and step into your, your big boy business pants. And you gotta come swim out in the open ocean. And a lot of times um, there are some business owners that are, have hit a certain point and they're comfortable. Uh, COVID is testing your, your, your comfort zone. Uh, you can stay in your comfort zone, but at the same time, you have to step up in business. This isn't, this isn't, you know, I'm making a product and I have, you know, so many regular clients and I'm kind of, you know, in my business comfort zone, COVID's testing all that. So now what you have to do is you got to start looking at the fundamentals of actual business, branding, marketing, sales. You got to look at it and you have to look at it from an online standpoint. So what I would say, the first way to transition is this, just this, um, increase the number of people that you can sell to. So again, having a product that you can ship somewhere, if you're a restaurant, you're in trouble. I don't, even if you're me, uh, even if you're a business, business owner, you're in trouble. Restaurants are getting hit kind of hard because you have to be in person to get the food or close by. However, even as a restaurant, I have clients at a restaurants, ask yourself, okay, how many people in a 20 mile radius know that I'm here? I guarantee you it's not 100%. How can I increase the number of people that are in a 20 mile radius that know about me? Because I have to do something different to offset COVID. Hmm. See what I'm saying? So I have to make, so even if I was okay, maybe I was in business with 13 or 10% of people knowing I'm here, but now I need to be around 65, 70% of people need to know I'm here so I can offset the difference. That's interesting that you, you, you say expanding your base. So there's 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 two restaurants. One of one of them was my all time favorite restaurant. It closed, and my second favorite restaurant remained open. Um, and I was so disappointed. My my mm. second re- favorite restaurant they gave out food for free um, during the height of COVID. And what they would say is, you know, when, when you know, all we will ask you to do is just tell someone on social media about what we're doing. Tell everyone where you got this meal from. And their base expanded just enormously. Yep, that's it right there. And my favorite place is no longer a business. And I went to see them to to get something for takeout. Mm -hmm. It took forever for me to get my food. The process of of the exchange was very clunky, where in which my other place, now they're delivering food to you. They're Mm -hmm. hooked up with um, the ride share, Uber and all those other things. And my other favorite place didn't do that. So to your point, expanding the business, making it more broad certainly helps. 100%. The same goes back to the Uber and the yellow cab. You know, yellow cab didn't get with the program. Uber came in, you know, put the ax on them. Uh, Business is an ever-changing, ever-evolving thing. And honestly, uh, if it wasn't COVID, it would have been something else that would have tested your business. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be something. And COVID is pretty extreme, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, it, it forces you to me to be more a more well-rounded business person because you got to really fight even more to survive. And then after, if if you survive COVID, <laughs> imagine what you can do with these with the, you know this this pressure. What they say, pressure creates diamonds, right? Right. Imagine right. the skills and um, the versatility that has been um, you know uh, you've had to use to get through this time. Once this is over. 
you know, it's like taking off a weighted vest and you should be able to jump out the gym mm-hmm. to play basketball. You know, right. you're taking all the weights off. You should be able to, you know, faster, can, you know, you know, and, and move better. So I think it's, I think it's a silver lining in, in, in a weird way. It still is a silver lining in for small businesses. You know, I got to ask you this. I'm going to circle back on something you made, a reference you made earlier okay. about uh, Instagram models and, and things of that, that nature. <laughs> so I got to ask you this. Um, mm-hmm. So what we, because we talk about a social marketing campaign. And yeah. I think if you were to ask, you know, um, my wife or anybody else that I know, they would say a social marketing campaign is probably putting a couple of pictures up on the kids or whatever, like that's social, that's a social media campaign. So this may sound basic to you, but what is a social marketing campaign and, and how, how do you launch it? And again, I know they should contact someone like you, but what is it? And it's, what's the reasonable cause? You mentioned 400 bucks a month and all this stuff. Again, I'm to someone, someone's out there listening to this and thinking, I don't even know what a social media campaign is. I thought I was just posting a picture of my business, me handing out food to someone or, selling a shirt, whatever it might be. What is a social marketing campaign? Man? So uh, I, I, w- I would describe a social media marketing campaign as a strategy. It is your strategy to use social media and to get your name and your face, your brand and your business out there. Whether it's going to be paid advertisements, whether it's going to be a giveaway, it's going to be a poll, uh, maybe a contest where, you know, whoever sends in the, the, the cutest picture of the dog, you know, wins a prize or um, that's what a social media campaign is. It's so it's 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 uh it's marketing strategy via social media. Based on your experience, I know you consult with hundreds and thousands of businesses. What do you if you had to just just pick one thing mm-hmm. that they struggle with the most? What would you say that is? Sales conversions, self conversion rates. Uh, so many people making all these ads, not getting it to sell. So people have these huge followings, and you know it's funny because. Uh, the big elephant in the room is this, and this is what nobody wants to talk about. You see the major uh, super famous YouTubers and Facebook people, Ryan's Toys, all these guys, you know, they're under contract with the social media platforms. Mm. These are not people that are small business owners that are making 10 million, uh, 20,000, 40, $50,000 a month on their own independently. They're under contract with YouTube. That's where the videos come up first. Uh. Um, you see, so so you're trying to do something. That's like, you know, you're saying you're trying to get more exposure than LeBron James playing basketball. There's no way he's got the NBA behind. Him. You're not going to do it. So you have, that's again, again, knowing how social media works. So you, you as a small business owner, you're going striking it out independently. Now you can go the YouTuber route. You know, I'm not saying it's necessarily bad. I mean, I, I, that's, that's for another conversation, but this is very limited, but um, you know, uh, when, you, when you're trying to get yourself out there, you're trying to make these conversion rates, the algorithms make it very difficult for you because they only show your content to 10 to 12% of your audience, following audience. So you have 100,000 people following you. You might reach 1,000 maybe. And of that 1,000, you figure half won't do anything and then even less than that. So that's why your conversion rates, a lot of small business, businesses struggle with their conversion rates because they don't understand where they fall on the algorithm. And they're looking at the big, guys that are collaborating with the social media platforms are expecting the same result. I got to ask you, so how do you then, it sounds like the algorithm that sound like that that's a tool. So, and I think, that, so is, is this where your expertise come into play? Because this seems like sort of what no one talks about in the industry. Like this seems like, exactly. the, like the, you know, hiding the ball behind your back type thing. Is that what this is here? That's what it is. If you, if you think that Facebook is going to let you build up a following of a million people, and they convert fifty, sixty thousand dollars a month off of the million people that you've you've uh, got, and you're, they're not going to get paid. <laughs> not going to happen. So, gonna happen. so, 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 Darren, as you know, there's there's Facebook. I could see someone asking me now. There's Facebook. There's Instagram. There's TikTok mm-hmm. now. Yeah. There's IG. I, I, I'm sure there's yeah. probably another five out there I don't know about. Yeah. Which I mean, it's like which one do you even choose then, Darren? Uh, well. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, what what you do. Uh, personally, Facebook's the largest platform. Everybody's on Facebook. Uh, it's, it's the biggest. It's the biggest platform by far. Uh, Instagram is to me is more for entertainment, which you can still convert. Conversion rates are going to be a little bit more tricky. Um, TikTok people are just having fun. There's some people making money, but people are just having fun. It's not a platform conducive for that. LinkedIn not a platform conducive for sales. It's a platform that's conducive for networking. Uh, Pinterest um, is is a platform that's, you know, more for looking at pictures and posting your favorite, you know, recipes and things like that. So you got to kind of 
find your lane of what social media platform is going to be best for you. I think Facebook is the best overall in general. So there, so someone just, someone just heard, someone will hear this and say, what do you mean? I just dropped, you know, five grand in pictures. I just dropped this in Instagram. Uh I just dropped this in LinkedIn. Uh And now you just said, Hey, those aren't the best. So, and it makes sense what you're saying, right? So based upon your business, choose your lane. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. To, to, you got to choose the platform that is um, most consistent with your brand. If you are, uh, I'm a business consultant. I can live all day on Facebook. I can live on LinkedIn. I'm fine. Uh, I'm a business consultant. I'm not doing no TikTok dances. So what, why would I be on TikTok? Why would I be on OnlyFans as a business consultant? You see what I'm saying? Like right. those platforms are not consistent with my brand. So you have to know what's more on the entertainment side and what's more on the professional side too. Now, if you have a, a business that's in the entertainment industry, then, then there you go. You mentioned something, and I want to get serious mm-hmm. just for one second. You mentioned mm-hmm. something that um, you mentioned a word. And it's mm-hmm. one thing when, I, when I'm doing business consulting that I constantly come back to, and that's strategy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And whenever I, I'm talking to small business owners, particularly minority business owners, and I ask them, uh, what's the strategy? What's the business goal? What's the plan? I'm always shocked by the lack of response and the lack of substance that I receive there. Um, what are you, what are you, what is your advice in terms of developing the, do you develop the strategy before you launch the business? Do you develop the strategy? Uh, you know, that old cliche that you're sort of building a plane, painting the plane while you're flying it. Mm-hmm. Strategy is so important. Uh, what, what would, what advice would you give? Cause I think that's where we have the greatest loss is strategy. Yeah, I think that um, I think that the first thing is whatever you do, you have to track your results. Uh, you can't just you know be throwing wild punches into the air. You need to track. Okay, I'm going to punch ten times. If I punch ten times, how many of them ten land? Um, tracking. I feel like tracking your progress is very important. Also, I feel like when it comes to building out your strategy, uh, it, again, getting but kind of back to the business basics. Who is your target market? Who's your target client? I see so many clients of mine want to reach everybody. You want to reach everybody from eight to 80 blind, crippling, crazy. Like it, it, that's not your target audience. So now what you're doing is you're paying for ads and you're trying to read. If your target audience is men between the ages of 25 and 35, then why are you paying for advertisements to reach women over the age of 60? Mm. You see, it, it, you're paying to reach a demographic. It is not even your target market. So I think when it comes to strategy, one of the first things I see that uh, a very common misconception of social media, especially, is people that they get into this thing of like going viral and stuff, and they just want to reach millions and millions of people. Hey, how about reach 20,000 of your people that are your exact target market and your conversion rates would be much higher? I was going to ask you how many of your clients come to you and say, Darren, I know you have over 10,000 people in just one group and growing and you have this, you have that. How many people say, Darren, just, I just want a hundred thousand followers. I just want, how many people do you have come with, come to you with that? And what do you respond to? Because I think you make a great point that it's not how many followers you that you have. And I think, again, this is this sort of misguided strategy that some have. What do you say to those who say, well, if I just had a hundred thousand followers, then I could just be doing great. Well, I, I said, the first thing I say to them is uh, well, a couple of things I say every time and, and to kind of get people back on, you know, focus. I say, OK, how about this? All right. You're on you're on online and this is a test of their business process, really. OK, let's say I shout you out. I get the podcast and I've been on TLC da, 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 and I, I go all out and I get behind you. You have a you have you're in front of a million people. What are you going to tell them to do? What's your call to action? And if whatever your call to action is, is can you support the sales? Can you handle a thousand orders right now? Are you in a position to do that? Okay, you want hundred thousand people. Can you handle a hundred thousand orders? Secondly is, would you rather have a hundred thousand followers or a hundred thousand dollars? If you just, if you're just in the game just to have followers and you want to be Instagram or YouTube famous, I, I can help you with that. I can help you have thousands and thousands and thousands of random people that are probably going to, you know, use profanity and start, you know, uh, pop political arguments in your comments. I can help you get in front of thousands of people. That's it. We won't pay your bills. So trying to redirect people to focusing more on sales conversions, the money you're making. That's what is the difference between winning and losing on social media from a business side. You know, I got a page that has twenty five, twenty eight hundred thousand dollars 
I mean, 20, I'm sorry, 2,800 followers. I've been able to convert tens of thousands of dollars from that page with 2,500 followers. Because it's not because of the, the number of followers, it's about your conversion rate. So you're you going back to the old cliche, it's about quality over, over quantity and, and not, but again, I think you also make a great point of, of saying that this is not sort of a fashion show or, or you, this is not about social media. And I think that's a, a, a different way of thinking about the presence is, are you trying to build a social media presence? Or are you trying to build a business? You are, you are in sales. At the end of the day, I tell all my clients, you're in sales. You're not in the, you're not in the social media, la la land, TikTok <laughs> dance, shimmy shake. You're in, you're a business that needs sales. Forget everything else. Forget everything else. If you're not making sales, I'm not doing my job. And some, some uh, clients say, well, I just want to give this for free, or I just want to have this big of a following. Then I'm the, I'm not the man for you. I am the person. If you are trying to make money and make sales, then you talk to me. If you want to just have a big following, then I'll put you in contact with a guy that does fake followers. You can go get all the fake followers you want. You know, <laughs> I never, I never heard of that. So, so you can, you can buy fake followers. Wow. Well, and, and believe it or not, the buy a fake follower strategy works very well for a lot of these influencers uh -huh. because, uh, you know, you have, let's say me and you, we both sell shoes, right? right. Uh, I've got my shoe page has a hundred thousand people with, you know, 60 or let's say 600 reviews. You know, you're doing it the honest, the honest way. And again, you got to know the shortcuts that the big fish are taking because everybody's not playing fair. And look, you just see the end result. Everybody, you don't know what people are doing behind the scenes. So I'm, I'm like this big shoe person. You're doing it the honest way. You know, you've got, you know, 300 people following your page and two reviews. But somebody sees, OK, do I buy Darren's shoes or do I buy Gil's shoes? Man, Darren's crushing it. People really like this guy, even though you might have in real life might have sold more than me. So Darren, I got to ask you this, switching gears a tad bit. You are, you are an engineer, man. You got an engineering background, right, which is, yeah. which I think, which says a lot about your analytic ability. So how does an engineer get into this business space? Yeah, well, and, you know, how do you leverage that as an advantage, by the way? Sorry. Well, no, that's fine. Um, I think that just being, you know, working on the railroad, on trains and things like that, it's been very black and white. And either you're making a sale or you don't. And it does relate to business. You make the sale, you don't. People like you or they don't. I mean, you can really go into some really super critical thought process psychology, but at the end of the day, people are people. And you have to be able to, to relate with the average person that's not a business owner, just that wants a good product. Um, so I think that the way it, it, it um, I see that the same is, is it's up or down, black or white, yes or no. You made the sale or you didn't. You reached 100,000 people. There is a number that is the conversion rate. It's, it's not your opinion. It's not my opinion. This is what the conversion rate was. We're going to change something up to try to increase that. Or we reached, you know, this many people and reach more. So it, I think the thing that gets me is the numbers. It, it, social media is a big numbers game. It's a big numbers game. You can sell t-shirts for the past 10 years and I can come on with what I know about social media algorithm and I will outsell you a million to one because I can reach a million more people than you can every month. And it's nothing you can do. That's the wow. name of the game. Wow, I think that says a lot. And again, I'm gonna dig just a little bit deeper with you in you yeah. for a second. A black male, um, and I'm sure you view yourself as a role model because you certainly are. Right. What do you tell Darren, the Darren 10 years ago, if you can look <laughs> back? Like what, what advice would you give to Darren 10 years ago about this current day? Yeah. Um, you know what? I think that I, I personally was, was blessed enough to have a father that took a huge, huge interest in me. And uh, he stayed on me. So I think even in my younger years, uh, I still knew what the right thing was. There's one thing to mess up and you know, you know you shouldn't have done it versus you don't even know what the right thing to even do. <laughs> you know, at least know that you're messing up if you're gonna mess up. Right. Uh, I, I would say, um, cause I, I did work for a, a big railroad in Chicago and made tons of money. I think that I would tell myself to uh, take more risk, take more chances. Take more chances. It's easy to play it safe, have six-figure income, come in, sit down, chill, you know, seems easy. But I would take more risk and um, and follow my dreams. And honestly, I, I'm not trying to brag, but I, I took that risk. You know, I followed my dream. I moved to a place 1,400 miles away from home I'd never been to before. So I would just say continue to follow your dreams. I think I'm doing all right. You know, I, I, I love to interview people like yourself. And, I, and whenever I have the opportunity, I like to ask these questions. 
you know, I um, have lots of friends who are professional athletes that I engage mm -hmm. in quite often. But yeah. I, I often say, you know, from being around many of those guys, you know, they're in a 0.0%. I, I always tell a lot of families that, hey, any your child could be me. Anybody could be me, right? Mm -hmm. They could be you because we don't, you know, I wasn't born with a 50-inch vertical, right? I mean, I'm a little fast, but I, I wasn't, you know, tearing up on the track field. Right. But, you know, it, to me, you know, I, you know, I have a, I have two sons. I have one who's twelve, and, and I have one who's much younger. But when I, when I see guys like yourself that are doing so well, you know, I, I tell my son, I say, son, you could be that guy, right? Because it's easier for my son to be a guy like myself or you than to go and be the next LeBron James. And so when, when you talk about sharing what you would tell little Darren ten years ago, mm -hmm. to take more chances, right? Because you come from Chicago. Right. We all know that when you come out of Chicago, like that's not a cakewalk. I don't care what side of town you come from in Chicago. That's that's not a cakewalk. And I, my last question in, in that vein is, how has perseverance served you well as a black business owner? Because being a business consultant, I've walked in a lot of white rooms and I'm the only black thing in the room. How has your perseverance being from Chicago served you in these situations? Well, you know, I think that for me, um, what, what served me well is uh, having confidence, having confidence that, hey, I know what I'm talking about. I, I know my stuff. I'm, I'm just as good as the next person with a different skin color, if not better. <laughs> um, I, I have the confidence that, you know, um, I'm not inferior to nobody. I can roll with the best of them. I know my mm. stuff. I'm just as quick. I'm, there's nothing that any nobody else in the room has that I don't have. Or if I don't have it, I cannot learn. I have the potential to be as great as I choose to be. So I never feel intimidated. You know, um, I'd want strong people around me, but even as a black male, um, for me, the reason I've been able to continue to and persevere is because I, I recognize it, but at the same time, uh, I, don't, I don't let it stop me. It's, it's, my, my dad told me this a long time ago. I'm not trying to go into the race thing, but um, he told me, listen, it, if you don't finish college, it's not the Ku Klux Klan fault you didn't finish. You know, if you didn't go to school, you got here drinking and partying, you know, it, it's not the Klan's fault, it's your fault. You know? So just saying that to say that, I've never felt like there's nothing that can stop me. If as long as I'm on my business, and again, I'm not saying that there are, there is systematic oppression and racism and things like, it does happen. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. However, um, I have to know that I'm giving 110% doing what I need to be doing as a man, as a black man, especially, because we do have some uh, some chips stacked up against us in, in the United States, I feel. Yeah, it's very true. And I like the way you articulated that. And, and, and I like to ask these questions, particularly of guys like yourself, because so often, uh, and myself included, I sometimes forget that, you know, sometimes we sort of defer to athletes as being role models and that in terms of the impact that they can have on, on kids. I was visiting my hometown and a young kid came up to me. He was a fresh, he was a sophomore in college. And he said to me, he said, I remember hearing you speak at my school once. He said, and I wanted to come up and shake your hand. And I wanted to come up and give you a hug. And I just wanted to come up and just say, just to meet you. He said, but something you said just stayed with me. And he said, it, it gave me the impetus to go to college. And he said, wow. I just want to, he said, I just want to thank you for that. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah, right. It was yeah. powerful. And I just never thought that I would have at that time that I would have an impact because we always assume that it's the LeBron James, it's the Dwayne Wade, that those guys are, but no, it's the people look like you and I, the people that are in these communities that actually have that impact, but we don't see it though, right? Well, I appreciate that. That's something else. You gave me something to think about. That's a good one. Man, don't come, man, you're coming to me strong, man. You got my, my wheels turning now. That's huge. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah, but I mean, when I, when I hear your story, when I, I see the things that you're doing, it inspires me. I mean, it literally inspires me because because I, I know what it takes for you to, again, you know, we, when you have a, not to say that those guys don't work hard, but when you yeah. have a, a, being sarcastic, when you have a 60 inch vertical, you're seven feet tall. Right. I mean, your chances of being success at basketball, particularly right. when this is, and again, not devaluing what they do, because I love the, me and those guys and the things that they do. Yeah, yeah. I know the journey that it is that we travel every day. I know how difficult it is. And to a kid, so some kids that sitting at home without a, a positive role model in their family, I mean, you, man, you're, you, myself, and some of us, others, we're all they have. That's true. That's true. It's a great responsibility. And that's why I try to, uh, 
I'm very particular in the way I carry myself. Um, I don't, I don't get me wrong. I, I have a ratchet good time sometimes too. I'm not perfect. <laughs> I, you know, I know how to, I know, I know, the, I know the, don't get me wrong. I know yeah. how to mix it up. But at, the, but at the same time, it's a time and a place, you know, it's a time and a place that is not consistent with my brand when it's time to consult with a client that's paying $250 for an hour. Right. You know, I, I know when to turn it on, when to turn it off. Um, and it, it's just our, our brand as black men, the black man brand. Mm. I want to be able to say that I'm contributing to making our brand stronger, not making our brand weaker. That's what I try to, I try to do, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect, but I try. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, that's all we can do, man. But I, I love when you said the black man brand, though. Our brand, our, how, our, what are we known as? What's our brand? I want to make our, improve our brand. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's, many of us don't think about us as having a brand, particularly black professional men, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's something that's something to think about. It's interesting you talk about the brand because in going back to, I guess this was like July, July or August. I jog. I, I probably get in about five miles, five ten miles a week, easily right. depending on my schedule. Yeah. But you know, so I wake up in the morning. I live. I live in an all white. Mm -hmm. No, not even all white. I'm sorry. A lot of Indians and white people live in my neighborhood, right? Okay. A few black people okay. scattered around. Well, <laughs> I get up in the morning. I go for a jog, and to me, when I'm put my music and my things on. Mm -hmm. I'm just a black guy, professional, well-educated guy going for a job. Well, it hit me the other day when I was going for a job, when I was at a at like a, a, a crossover and I had to stop running and wait mm -hmm. for other people to cross over with me. And this lady walks up to me, she goes, oh, you're a football player? <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm, I'm like, what do you, huh? She's right. like, are, are you, you look like a football player. And, right. but I'm thinking, I see myself as this educated black man. Right. Yeah. She right. sees me as a as because of my physical attributes as I must be a and I'm thinking it hit me that how I view myself and perhaps how others view me might be different. And no matter yeah. how much education yeah. I have, it whatever. Go right, what were you gonna say, man? I was just gonna say, you know, one thing that I, I really try to and again, I'm not I don't nobody don't come after me now, guys, <laughs> social media and Facebook people and your listeners, but uh you know, I, I feel like, you know, I want to be a, a, a black role model that's known for being intelligent. You know, you have a lot of entertainers. Yeah, you know, Oprah, LeBron James, these guys are entertainers. Yes. Um, they're not, you know, you start talking about Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, you start talking about these brilliant minds and engineering and 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 um and uh finance, you know, you get a little short on the list on the black side. Uh, you know, you say, oh, Jay-Z or Diddy, these guys are entertainers, they're entertainers. At the end of the day, then I'm not saying I'm not discrediting them. Sure. But at the end of the day, what black men do we have, exception of Barack Obama, <laughs> that are known for, you know, um, creating some massive amount of wealth, massive amount of success, success that has nothing to do with sports entertainment. Mm. See, I can name a bunch of Caucasian, well, like I said, Zuckerberg, Mark Cuban, uh, Richard Branson. You know, people that devise, develop Google and uh, TikTok, all, these engineering software developers, you know. Uh, but on the black side, who do we get? It's not an entertainer. You see, so I, I want to be known for being um, a successful black man that was intelligent, not just entertaining. Um, I, and but I like to use my podcast, for, you know, still to, to kick knowledge, but I want to be known for being intelligent, not just being an entertainer. Wow. That's, that's funny you say that because I, I, I'm the same exact way. And that's why I wanted to bring you on the show because, you know, I, you know, I have all kinds of people on the show, right? We've, I've had, you name it, but mm -hmm. I, even, even those that I've had on the show who um, may not have a most extensive educational background, we still talk about very serious content. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the things I said when I was, you know, creating this, this, this podcast is, we, I may not invite someone to show who have the same credentials that many of our guests might have, but we can, it doesn't mean we still can't engage in those same conversations because like my father, very uneducated guy in terms of uh, traditional structure, you know, structure education. He's one of the smartest guys I know. And so for me, it's like, we could have some very, as black people and as people yeah. of color, we can have some intellectual conversation just like we've had today that's different than sort of what you're going to get. And I like what you said about being considered and known as an intellectual and not as an entertainer. And that was one of the, the premises for me mm -hmm. is to have 
a show where black people and people of color and professionals that we can just talk about just stuff that we talk that we deal with on an everyday basis because we're professionals as well. Exactly. Exactly. And all of us don't follow Kim Kardashian. That's something wrong with that, right? Or, or there's one guy, there's this one guy that one of my friends told me about. I think he lives in Miami. Mm-hmm. He um he has like a zillion followers. He's on Facebook. I forget his name. He was a rapper, I believe is he was. Okay. And um, what's his name? I've heard my friend listen to him all the time. And um, oh man, he he's he I think he has like a little ring on his finger. And um, I can't even believe I can I have only heard him a couple of times. But anyway, mm-hmm. I thought, man, there has to be other avenues for us to engage in stimulating conversation than just that. Yeah, we don't get, we don't. And I, I, I felt that coming from Chicago to be honest with you, from Chicago to South Florida, it was harder for me to find. It was a smaller group. Um, and it's West Palm is smaller, but it was a smaller group of like, where, where do I go? I'm the, and again, I'm not too my horn, but I'm, you know, millennial six figure income person. And it's cool. You got stuff for everybody, but where do I go? Where do I go? You know, what's out here for me? Or do I have every time I want to do something nice, do I have to be, feel like I'm going to somebody else's neighborhood or predominantly somebody else's, you know, restaurant, you know, where, where do I exist? Where does the, the people like you and I, where, where do we exist? Cause I feel like the spaces for us, are very, very niche, you, you know what I mean? Right, right. So, so, anyways. so I, I, wanted, I wanted the audience to get a chance to know you first before I even ask this question. So okay. where does one go to get in contact with you that, let's say Darren, someone says, man, based upon this conversation I've heard, I need help you know, with, with my business, with my marketing, with my branding. How does one contact you? How does one reach you for services, man? Yeah, so uh, you put my name in, uh, in, in Facebook, Darren Brown, and you'll see my face, me smiling. Uh, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, uh, I have a free um, social media for business class every Monday, Monday, 3 p.m. Eastern. Absolutely free. It's a Zoom call, free to join. Um, and just, you know, free. Ask, it's free. completely free because we know sometimes free. free means, you know, you got to fill this out and, <laughs> and all. Free. No, it's free, free, free. Uh, you know, if you say it twice, it makes it more official. You know, it's free, free. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's free. Um, yeah. So Facebook, Instagram, any social media, put my name in Google, Darren Brown, uh, if, put in Darren Brown Advantage or Darren Brown Advantage Business. And I'm sure you'll tag all the links and all that stuff in, 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 the, in, the, in the post. So, Darren, I, I greatly appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. And uh, I'm more than happy to return a favor to you as well if, uh, if the opportunity uh, should sure. exist. Sure. Uh, I appreciate you. Thank you again for just bestowing upon us such knowledge, such expertise, such skills. And uh, again, particularly during this time when there's, I think I forget the stat, there's like five or whatever black businesses that close down every hour, maybe even 30s. I forget what the stat was, but it was, I couldn't believe it when I read it. And there's a lifeline that's out there. And I think you you sit at the center of that lifeline. And I I mean that sincerely because many of these businesses have been in existence for years and many of their their counterparts have learned how to take their business, as you said, online. And it it really hurts me to see many of these these minority-owned businesses who have been staples in our communities for so Mm -hmm. long that are now struggling and, you know, at the brinks of closing. So I hope, I implore that they do contact you and reach out to you. So just thank you, man, for all that you do and you continue to do for our communities. Well, thank you too. Your courage inspired me a ton, Gil. You keep up the good work. I appreciate you, brother. Likewise. It looks like we're running out of time. Thank you for being a a guest on our show again, uh, Darren. And to the listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Woke. Please leave us a comment and share with a friend. Until the next time, remember, in the darkness, you must be the light. Stay woke.